Welcome back to the Relentless Podcast, where we are always trying to provide you with actionable tools to help you thrive in your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And today we're going to get some real tools, some down-to-earth, everybody can do it, no excuses, tools to help ourselves in all of those categories. I'm so happy to have my guest, Reese, here with me today from Our Breath Collective. Welcome, Reese. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to see you again. Thank you as um, well. Yeah. I was thinking before I got on the podcast that I have very few podcast guests where I want to reach through the screen and just hug you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. after you spend after you spend four or five days together in the circumstances that our breath collective brings about, you develop a really close friendship with complete strangers. And that's one of the amazing things we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's pretty special how groups come together in that way, um, especially when you're getting vulnerable and diving into some of the practices that we do and yeah, and having fun too. So if you don't know what we're talking about yet, so Reese <laughs> is um, one partner in the Our Breath Collective group. So we're going to dive into what Our Breath Collective is. Um, I think everybody right off will recognize if we say the name Wim Hof. So we're going to talk about breath work today. We're going to talk a little bit about cold plunge therapy today. Um, really just talking about leveraging the systems of our body. And I'll probably go back to talking about the body a lot because that's what I do for a living is work with <laughs> bodies every day. But leveraging the systems of the body to be able to harness the mechanisms that help us in all of the areas that I mentioned earlier. So right off the bat, you know, I know with your history, another reason I'm very thankful that you are on this podcast is because you're a dude, <laughs> <laughs> because very few men are willing to talk about their experience and their journey. And that's one of the beautiful things I think the Breath Collective does for men is it gives them a, a space to, after that first day, I think maybe they start to feel comfortable to share and open up a little bit more. But yeah. I, if you're comfortable, I'd like to talk a little bit in more detail about how you got started because a breathwork coach or whatever you want to call yourself, isn't how you started your career. Is it? No, absolutely not. Definitely. (laughs) And that's what I love that. I love your story because again, I deal with regular people every day that do not have training in biology. They don't have training in lymphatics. They don't have training in the systems and the networkings of the organs of the body to know how to utilize them. And I need to be able to tell them you can still do this too and get the benefits. So tell us the background of what your career was and then kind of the story of leading. And I know you told this story a thousand times, but it helps for people to hear that. Yeah. And, and you'll tell us the story, but it actually for you ended up in a complete trajectory shift in your career, which won't happen for most people, but I think it's a pretty awesome story to tell. Yeah. Thank you. I kind of started growing up in Southern California, being a surfer for whatever reason, I've always just been good at kind of following the path of what I like to do. My my really kind of like going way back, um, I was actually working at a, a Patagonia store here. Um, it was their first surf shop. And I met a filmmaker um, named Cyrus Sutton, and he was developing a blog that was focused around do-it-yourself surfing. So it was all about how do we step back from being total consumers and and look at maybe how we can do some of these things ourselves, whether it's ding repair, sunscreen, surf wax, making your own boards, all of that stuff. And, and so I got into uh, running the blog for about 
almost eight years, seven years. Always just been passionate about creativity, writing, photography, filmmaking. So was producing a lot of videos, producing a lot of content, written content. And through that, I got into social media and it was really when I was running this blog, it was called Corduroy TV. It was sort of when Facebook was kind of really getting going. And so was on there, uh, just kind of like experimenting and learning. I didn't really have a boss. I mean, there's kind of my own boss and just figuring things out. And, and through that really got into social media and from being involved in this blog that was gaining a lot of steam and we won a couple of awards and got approached by some brands to start doing their social media. And through that, I became like freelance social media marketing person. And I ended up starting an agency uh, with a colleague that I met through one of my clients, actually Reef, the shoe company, sandal company. So started a agency running digital marketing campaigns, social media for a lot of action sports brands. And then it really kind of opened up into a ton of different kind of companies in the midst of all of that it wasn't something i ever really planned for i was more just going with what was fun and what i like to do and as all the responsibilities of owning a business and then i've got two young children started to mount my time where i was actually taking care of myself was just put to the side and I was in kind of like this rough spot. I, I didn't really realize it at the time as much, but just looking for something to do. You know, my wife's a yoga teacher. It's like, I'd rather go surf than do yoga. Um, and other, you know, she is, has a meditation practice and was, you know, telling me to kind of get into that and just never really hit for me. And then I heard actually Wim Hof on a podcast and, just his energy and magnetism kind of pulled me in and I was like, Whoa, what is this guy all about? So came home, actually told my wife about it. And she said, Oh my gosh, I was just talking to Luke, who's a friend and now my partner in our breath collective. Uh, I was just talking to him about this yesterday. You should call him. And so I hit him up and said, Hey, I've heard you do Wim Hof. And he was like, Oh yeah, I've been doing breath work for like 10 years are you ready for a life upgrade? And I was just like, <laughs> what? A life upgrade by breathing? Okay. Yes. So yeah, check. Uh, so he came over, we did one breathing session and that was it for me. I was just like, what? I haven't felt that way ever uh, through my own power of just connecting into my breath. And from there, I dove into uh, the Wim Hof method, really exploring the breathing practice, then eventually got into the cold, um, was doing cold showers, eventually an ice bath. And then next thing I knew, I was in Poland um, on a retreat, climbing mountains in my shorts at minus 20 Celsius, doing things that I thought I was not capable of. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Generally speaking, the not a not a big cold person, you know, surf in Southern California in my full suit in the summer, like cold and and I just didn't really jive. But then, kind of reframing and creating a new lens around it as being a, a training stimulus. And through that experience in Poland, I always say I kind of really learned to love myself again, uh, just appreciating my body and and what I'm capable of and. Um, also realizing that there's a lot in me that I've been hiding from and also like dulling out and through 
all of that experience there, I was like, okay, well, I want to share this. I want to teach this. So went into WIMS training, uh, became a certified instructor. And I think really one of the blessings that I've had over my own kind of going into all this was, was actually Luke in the fact that he, he understood the Wim Hof method and the breathing, but he came from a different background in breathing, which is called rebirthing. It was started in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, so it's been around for a long time. And, and so having this other lens of like, Hey, great. There's the Wim Hof method. There's also this other modality of breathing. And then there's all these other ones. And he's just a constant learner and has had a lot of experiences with a bunch of different breathing modalities. So I think what I've seen, especially in the Wim Hof world is people get into the Wim Hof method and they're like, that's the only way to do it. And, and by experiencing these other modalities and schools of breath, I was able to sort of open my own mind to like, Hey, there's more to this than just one way. And really that's been the the foundation for how I approach breathing now, really looking at the principles of the breath and how they relate to all of these different methods and modalities. And what's the connection point between all of them? What's the commonality? And then how do we use those elements to then impact us, whether we're, we want greater performance, uh, we want less stress, you know, relieve trauma, um, any and all. And so really looking at more of a goal oriented approach, or as I would call it, multidisciplinary approach and using those principles to be able to really be specific with how I'm working with someone. It's not like, Hey, this is the only way to breathe and you got to do this. And, and that's it. You know, it's like, no, there's, so many elements to it to be able to really work with what you're actually trying to accomplish. So in a nutshell, that's kind of been my story. And almost two years ago, year and three quarters, uh, I actually moved away from my agency and have been focusing on this new business, Our Breath Collective, uh, where, you know, the idea came about of people wanted to have of daily practice. They would come to a workshop or something else that I was teaching and it would open their eyes to the power of these practices and they wanted to be able to have support. So we started leading daily breathing sessions live. And then from there, it's sort of morphed into a much greater community where uh, we do workshops, we've got courses, we lead a teacher training, and then we have retreats, which obviously you experienced and came on our Tahoe retreat. So really just providing education and experience for people uh, who are interested in breath work and then some of these kind of complementary modalities, be it cold exposure, uh, mindset, heat exposure, meditation, mindfulness, some of the other practices, and they all kind of really work synergistically together. So yeah, it was a, a transition that I never really anticipated. But again, I feel like I've always been really good at sort of following my heart and following what feels good and being okay with changing directions and shifting and um, seeing where that takes me. So at this point, really just focused on bringing education around breathing and, and these other modalities to people and, and having a positive impact on health, wellness, longevity, mindset, all of these parts that really people are struggling with. So it's been, it's been a very fulfilling and, and awesome 
journey into this uh, role. Never really was a teacher. I don't have a you know science background. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm a normal dude, and I just started understanding these things for myself. And really, that's the how I I come about it is like, hey, these things worked really well for me, and I share from my own experience and trying to maintain that growth mindset of like, hey, there's so much that we don't know, and continuing to learn and, and develop my own experience to then continue to be able to share from that. I love it. And I'm going to unpack everything you just said. And I'm not going to miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bring it. So I don't know if you remember me saying this, but when we got to the retreat, after, I don't know when it was, I said it, but I told you or Sam or somebody we're medical missionaries. Yeah. People like us that do what is up until now is seen as the fringe things or the holistic or the, you know, whatever they want to call it. The good thing is the individual like you that was led by the need of their body and mind through an experience to find the thing, which is the breath work versus the person that is logically based that wants science that wants, you know, what is it about this thing that works? They can also get that now it's mm-hmm. both of them. So a person that is just, and that's how I get a lot of my clients. They are just by force of, I've tried everything else. Can you at least help me a little bit come for some body work and they get better care. And that's another whole story, but just do that force of the need of the state that they find themselves in. They find an experience that creates results they haven't had before. And then also the person that is very, maybe they do have a scientific background. Maybe they are a CPA and they have that logic brain on Mm -hmm. tap all the time. And they need to see the numbers. They need to see the research. Guess what? We have all of it for both of you. So that's the first thing I want to say is, you know, wherever you fall in that paradigm, because people do heavily fall in one or the other often it's both. And we can offer both of them for you. And that's the good part. Um, what I want to do is kind of walk back to the very beginning of your story, because it's so um, relevant for what we've just gone through over the past few years. So you found yourself in a career that has no time clock. So being a social media practitioner, you know, doing marketing, all those types of things. You don't have a clock to punch. You don't have an office to leave. People can always find you and you can work 24 seven. Yeah. And that becomes a problem, especially for, especially for a very driven competitive person, the, the, the business owner, the one everything is falling on. So if you can, in your mind's eye, take yourself back to those few months even, you know, three to six months leading up to the, the time frame that forced you to look for something new. What was it in your body that you were feeling your sleep patterns, your relationships? What was it that was creating that need and desire in you to start reaching out to look for something else? Yeah, it's a really great question. I'm, I'm trying to think about my body and, and what, was there, I mean, definitely stress, you know, feeling a lot of stress around the responsibility, um, just overwhelm and anxiety. Um, but really I think a lot of my path and, and more recently has been around my family and having kids and needing to show up in a different way for them. And, because of the fact that yes, I'm always on the clock, not only as a business owner, but then within the business that I was in social media is around the clock and not 
being able to separate myself and just seeing the impact of that on my relationships and my mind not being present with where I was. Um, and, and then, yeah, I think physically as well, just noticing, you know, I grew up an athlete, played sports my whole life and then got into surfing and, and was really focused on that. And that was always sort of this opportunity to not only move my body, but to connect to nature, to connect to myself, to sort of pull away from, uh, all the responsibilities and just have a little solitude or, or if I'm with friends just to connect and, and seeing how that time shifted for me, not only was it becoming less and less, but my time in the water was not as enjoyable it was like i started not even liking surfing because i was so focused and thinking about what i wasn't doing and making myself feel bad and not actually getting the benefits that i once did from you know this beautiful amazing sport that you're basically riding nature like it's you know i feel so blessed to to have found surfing and, and then to go through this time where it was like, ah, I don't even like it. And I'm just thinking about everything that I'm not doing. And then, you know, that just compounds into the, the overall stress and anxiety in myself. And so I think a combination of, of that, like that was something that I really noticed. Um, and then just my, the downstream effect of the stress and anxiety, and then how I was reacting with kids and to my wife and all of those things, it was just like, no, this is not how I need to show up for my family. And I think, you know, so many things shift when you do have kids and, and I've wanted to really show up for them. And so many things have happened, like things that I've given up, you know, through, finding the breath and then starting to really work on myself even more. Um, you know, I quit drinking about four and a little over four years ago. I was never really a big drinker. It just never really worked for me. But then I just sort of had this intuitive hit where it was like, nope, that's not for you. And then I just stopped and I haven't, I don't really even think about it anymore. Um, also was a big cannabis user for a long time. Like that was my go-to and, um, through getting into myself and really experiencing like the power that I have and, and I'm just highly emotional, very sensitive and, um, through breath and, and uh, some other like therapy that I was doing, um, particularly one called IFS or parts work, um, was I really got present to how I was just numbing and dulling out actually feeling the emotion and, and being able to, to work with it. And, and I think by understanding my breath and then getting deeper into some trauma and some other family stuff, you know, um, I was able to really realize like, wow, that, using that was just totally numbing me out and um i'm going on like almost three years now and that was something i was like never thought uh never thought would be happening and and again like i don't even think about it i don't miss it i don't really ever i mean you know in california like people are getting high all the time and it's like, yeah, it's, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Um, well, so I think, yeah, like I said, just my family has been a big impetus for all of that. So, and they are benefited 
for generations for you having the self-awareness that you weren't showing up as you could be, not that you were doing anything wrong. And I try to remind my clients, stress doesn't mean bad things are happening. A lot of times it just means there's lots of things happening yeah. and you have a threshold. And yeah. when you start to lose the grasp on that threshold is when symptoms start to appear. So, you know, the trauma that you uncover, the trauma that many of us uncover from our childhood, we are, you know, have, have you ever seen that picture? It's a, a meme on social media. It's all, all the matches lined up together and there's one that came down shorter and it stopped the flame mm-hmm. So by you putting in that work. You stop the generational trauma. If there was any present passing on to your children. So by you putting in the work and being aware of your you know, body's not functioning at a hundred percent, my mind's not functioning at a hundred percent. I need help with some barriers around this timetable that I'm working. That's unattainable and I cannot maintain it, but I need help with that. And that's one of the great things that I think that the breath work does is it helps us give us that framework. It gives us some accountability, um, but it, it provides us a system because I cannot remember who made this quote, but it's a doctor or a PhD or somebody, but it's not so much about the state that you're in. It's whether or not you had anything to do with getting there. And that's what you're talking about with alcohol, with smoking, with, you know, any, anything that we need to get into a a desirable state again, time and place can be fine. And if we need assistance sometimes totally fine, but how often do we, do we need that thing all the time? And that's what breath work does is it provides us the power in and of ourselves to harness the systems of our body to provide us the state that we desire. Yeah. And that's with what you learned through your experience of necessity. You've, you've now learned the tools that you're utilizing and you're teaching others to be able to get into the state that they're desiring in their own power, needing nothing, needing no one, other people help, but that's one of the powers of breath work. Um, so you mentioned you were talking about different modalities of breath work. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because mm-hmm. like in my world of body work, we have the same thing. There's like this one technique, this one certification course, this one, you know, guru or person that you need to take their stuff. And that's the only, this is the only way to really treat pain and help people re- rebuild that mind body connection. And it, can get, it goes into fitness. It goes into religion, which I want to bring in in a few minutes with the breath work thing. But um, there is no just one way. And if someone yeah. tells you this is the absolute best program, protocol, person to follow, I immediately block them out because that's just not true. Yeah. And I'm, you mentioned on another podcast, you were on meeting people where they are. You take one of my clients that has an extremely vast array of health pathologies, mixing in some anxiety, mixing in previous surgeries, mixing in bad experiences, practitioners, and throw them into a Wim Hof style breathwork practice. They are done in 10 seconds. They're out. They they can't handle it. So talk a little bit about that. And you're, you were talking about your perspective as, you know, which pot do I need to pull out of to help this person be able to approach breath work without it turning them away right away. Yeah. I think it's super important and, and the meeting people where they are. And I think kind of going back to what you said is we, we all have a different 
thing that is going to attract us. Um, and we're all coming in at a different place, you know, it's like, like a car, right? Like there's so many different types of cars and so many different models. And it's like trying to treat them all the same. It's not, that's not how it works. And, um, one of the things that I think also that is missed by a lot of these modalities and, and I can kind of speak to the Wim Hof method specifically and, and nothing against it, but it's like this idea of minimum effective dose, right? Like what's the least amount that you can give someone that's going to give them enough at the time to either the light bulb goes off or they have relief or they see an improvement, whatever it is. And then it's like starting to build on that. And it's like, rather than trying to go from, you know, zero to a hundred, it's like, no, we got to go up the ladder each part till then. Yeah. We get to a hundred or beyond. And, um, I think, not everyone can handle just like the slingshot. Like I'm going to blast you off with the breath. Like, yeah, it can be nice and it's awesome, but like most people aren't ready for that. I mean, look at where we're at now after, you know, two, two and a half years of our nervous systems just being so cooked and, and so much added stress and, and all of that. And it can, if we go too far and too hard, it, it can actually take us back exponentially. You know, it's like one negative experience might take 20 positive experiences to get us back to where we were. We don't want that. We just want to take baby steps outside of the comfort zone, start expanding capacity, expanding possibility, expanding our own understanding. And then it just starts to cascade and, and grow from there. Um, it's like that idea of titration, right? A little bit at a time over a long period of time and you know our nervous systems are, are really the key component that i think um is important to understand uh we all have nervous systems but they're all different and they're fluctuating constantly and also our nervous systems are very old <laughs> they're not designed for life in 2022 but we do have greater understanding of science and and all of these things to be able to work with them in a way that's like more a more modern approach. And, and I think that's where the breath comes in is, you know, I see James Nestor's book behind you and, you know, he talks a lot about the anthropology of breathing and, and yeah, these practices have been around for thousands and thousands of years and like the yogis knew about it and all these tribes and all these other, you know, communities, um, and now all of a sudden it's like this renaissance of, of breathing and it's coming back into the forefront of the world. And, and I think part of that is because science is now really getting into these things because the amount of problems and issues and mental health and all of these things that we're having, it's like, we need it now more than ever. And so I think, um, understanding those principles like i talked about understanding your physiology understanding the mechanics understanding your nervous system how the breath relates to that then you're empowered and it's like my goal as uh, a breath educator is like i want to give you the tools to then be able to regulate yourself 
I don't want to be, I don't want you to be my client forever. If you are, then I'm not doing my job. I want to give you the tools. You go out and explore, experiment, see what works. Then maybe you come back, we refine and fine tune and add more. And then, you know, it's just like that. And, and I think experience is what really unlocks this as a tool. It's like, you could have all the knowledge in the world of something, but if you don't actually have the experience and you're not putting it to use, then what good is it? You know, it's like people could talk till they're red in the face about, you know, breath science. And it's like, that's great, but are you actually using it? And, Mm -hmm. and that's where I think the, the magic lies is we have to, we have to do it. We have to use it. And, And it's so simple. It's right here. It's right now. It's always happening. We're always breathing. We just don't really pay attention to it. And then once you start practicing it and learning about it then the awareness builds once you're aware of it you're sitting here writing emails and you're like oh my gosh i'm holding my breath cool there's an opportunity focus in change your breath change your pattern change your state um and i want to dial it back like for the person listening that's never done a breathwork practice they're like what in the world are they talking about we all breathe all day every day how could it be that you know why would it you know, turn someone away? Why would it be hard for someone? We all breathe. And I want to give just a little bit of like, if you've never done a breathwork practice or a Wim Hof practice, and you can say a little bit more about this if you want to, but a simple explanation, there is nothing magical. I mean, there is about breathwork. There's nothing special. We're not doing seances. It's nothing weird or woo woo or anything like that, but what the, and I want to explain why it would be hard for someone to breathe. (laughs) So we get really, really good at disassociation with our body. Mm -hmm. That's one of the adaptive behaviors that people fall into with anxiety, depression, fear, all of those things we disassociate, especially when there's trauma related to our present situation, we disassociate our mind from our body. And that's where we develop a lot of body issues. Some of us are too interoceptive. So exteroception, all the things going on out here, you know, communicating with our body interoception, the monkey mind. Some of us are too stuck in here and we forget about the body in that way. So the breath work is designed to harness either of those you need needed mechanisms to bring you back to self, the mind and the body, um, out of the monkey mind into the body or into the mind and the body at the same time, all the above. So breath work, it's nothing magical. Like a Wim Hof sessions, 20 to 30 long inhales in and out. You hold at one point, you let it out and hold that. That's really the nuts and bolts of it. It's just that wrapped up into many different segments and counting and different things like that. So if someone listening has never done breath, like, what are you talking about this breathing thing doing to people? It's nothing, like I said, magical, but it's, it's the process of learning the mechanisms is where the magic lies. Yeah. Is that kind of. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, people wondering about, oh yeah, I breathe all the time. Well, my question to you is how many times do you actually notice your breath throughout the day? And most of the time, a majority of the time, our breath is just automatic. It's happening in the background. We're not paying attention to it. And so breath work or a breath practice is when you actually consciously connect and think about your breath and consciously change and manipulate it. Um, so we use 
different patterns of breathing, different rhythms. We breathe through our nose at times. We breathe through our mouth at times. We focus on breathing into different areas of our body. We hold our breath at the top. We hold it at the, on the bottom. We make sound. We do all these things. There's all these different little knobs and levers to be able to play with. And those are all related to uh, our nervous system. And, and so we have this ability to kind of self-direct redirect um and that is is more or less what we're talking about here is is conscious connected breathing we're moving the breath under our own mind under our own power it's not this reflexive thing that's happening in the background that most of our day is going by and that actually connecting into our breath and and starting to manipulate it is then when it becomes this piece of awareness that I was just talking about. The more we practice something, the more awareness that we have. And I think the breath is the bridge between the mind and our body. Um, and so once we are practicing it, we get more familiar with it. We feel the energy and the sensations that happen. Then something might happen in our body. We notice, oh my gosh, my heart rate's up and I'm feeling anxious. Then it's like, cool, what's my breath doing? And then you notice your breath. There's a breath that's related to that behavior. Then your mind says, okay, now I'm going to control my breath. So going top down, right? Top down modulation. We think about our breath, then we change our breath. Then that impacts our physiology and our body. Um, so it's this bridge between the two where then we have the opportunity to change our state. And that's really kind of what we're working on here. You know, it's like for people who are very go, go, go sympathetic in this fight flight mode all the time, we would focus maybe on trying to bring it down and spend more time breathing in a way that's going to relax us. People who are in maybe freeze mode or in more of this, like just chilled out state all the time. And they're not good at having more arousal in the body then maybe we might work the top end of the spectrum so you know it really kind of works for everyone just dependent on where you're at what your nervous system is your tendencies are um, the breath really sort of illuminates that and and gives you a way to be able to work both ends of the spectrum you know it's like we can get really good at being you know in this sympathetic just go, go, go state, but then that starts to wear down on us, right? It's like the stress is becomes too much. It becomes chronic. And then we feel all the downstream effects of that on our body and our mind. And so we need to be able to kind of vacillate between the two. So we're not just redlining all the time, or we're not just like chilled out zombie mode all the time. Um, so I think when we're talking about breathing, breath work, it's just this con conscious connection to our breath where we change it and that leads us into a different state of being. One of the research articles that I'll, I'll, I'll post Rika, I love research. I, I'm a both person. I'm the experience and all the things and the research. That's Me like, too. I'm so thankful to be living in today's world because I get all of them. And yeah. we'll talk a little bit again, like I said, about religion in a minute, because there's so many people opposed to all of this for a wrong premise. But um, one of the research articles that I'll, I'll post with this segment is it said, um, breath is the remote control for the brain. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you start understanding, again, when you start understanding the mechanisms behind what we're talking about, you'll convince yourself of the need for a breathwork practice, but being able to harness the power of your phrenic nerve, which controls your diaphragm, which will communicate to your vagus nerve to calm down. That's what you have control of. That's all we're talking about. So it's Mm -hmm. not anything spiritual or woo woo, although it is spiritual because, you know, the Bible talks about breath, like every other page, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, it's harnessing the, the powers of the, of the systems of the body to, again, to get you into the state that you want to be in. I want to talk a little bit about like some errors or mistakes or misnomers you may have heard in either the breathwork community or the yoga community. I I'll start off with one. I I heard in a yoga class the other day that someone said it takes 15 minutes to get into the parasympathetic nervous system. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. not true. (laughs) Um, My other favorite podcast is Andrew Huberman's. Um, but he, you know, again, with research shows double inhale in long exhale out twice you're there mm-hmm. you know like you were talking minimal effective dose that's what people need to understand it doesn't take 15 minutes 30 minutes an hour of a practice it takes the conscious awareness couple of breaths you're harnessing the system you mm-hmm. are leveraging control over the nervous system that controls the organs that give you the outcome of this thing this body. So what, what other, um, misguided or other type of things have you come across in the industry? And it could be any industry because fitness too, and body work as well, that all of them, we all kind of, you know, weave in together with functioning systems of the body, but do you have any that you can think of? Yeah. Uh, a couple more, just, uh, semantic, type things you know you hear people like diaphragmatic breathing you're not breathing unless your diaphragm is moving so (laughs) i understand the saying that it's more like the location of the breath we're focusing our breath lower into our abdominal zone um, or belly breathing you know it's like yeah our lungs aren't in our belly it's more like the action the movement of the breath is in the belly but like diaphragmatic breathing there's no breath that the diaphragm is not working it's like how engaged is the diaphragm how much movement is there how much fluidity is there yes that is those are things that we can work on mechanically um Another one that I just, uh, I don't know, I always talk about this is like breath work, like it's work. People are like, I don't want to freaking work, you know? So I just like to say breathing, we're breathing, we're doing a breath practice. We're focusing on our breath. Let's not make it work. Let's make it enjoyable. It is enjoyable. It feels awesome. You know, it's high impact, low effort. We can focus on our breath. Like you said, two breaths, boom, all of a sudden you feel something different. You know, I have a little practice or a little protocol that I like to use called the one breath break. And it's like, once you notice that you are feeling a certain way, maybe it's like high arousal stress starts to come on, take a deep breath in, hold it at the top for like five seconds, big relaxed exhale, let it all go, hold it at the bottom till you feel the urge to breathe. Then you just take a nice slow breath through your nose. Boom. You just hit the brakes on your nervous system right there. You just, again, top down control. I feel a certain way. Cool. I'm going to control my breath. Boom. Our body then responds to that in a certain way. And it, 
yes, you might not feel like you're totally relaxed, but at least you hit the brakes so that that impact of that feeling or that emotion didn't go even further. And then from there, you have the ability to go into a different way of breathing that's going to either slow you down or bring you up depending on where you're trying to go. Um, so, you know, I think those are just two funny things that I always like, I, I always just try to say breathing, not breath work, but I get it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the diaphragmatic breathing is, I think that's just like a common misconception. Uh, and, but I, I also understand why that is used because we're, it's more like, focusing on the location or the area of that we're breathing into, mm-hmm. um, outside of that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty and other things that people are talking about and, but it's just part of it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so you were talking about controlling heart rate and a lot of the things that we have talked about so far have been about the organs. And I want to give another explanation to people of again, why a breath work breath practice is so important because every time you breathe, you should basically, basically be giving yourself an internal massage of all of your organs. Every time you breathe, Um, I've heard it described as a box, like the box of, you know, your diaphragm, your pelvic floor and the sidewalls, it should be able to move in all four quadrants and your organs. If you think about your belly, all of your organs inside that box, every time you take a breath should do this. When you exhale, do that. So every organ should be moving. So your breath, you know, lymph is one of the ways lymph is moved is by human movement, which one of the biggest ways is breath. So when breath is shallow, breath is restricted for functional reasons or injury or trauma to the actual tissue or clenching from psycho-emotional trauma, um, that process is not happening So there's stagnation in your organs. They are not functioning as well as they should be. The lymph is not moving through the body as it should be. The blood is not moving through the body as it should be, which is Mm dis-ease. So for a a myriad of other reasons, the reason to work, the reason to develop a practice of breathing properly is that internal aspect of the organs. But there's also the aspect of the literal geography of where our bone structure is. So in James's book, he talks about, he literally changed the shape of his jaw mm-hmm. based on techniques that he used. Um, and so do you, have you ever had any experience with the mouth taping? Do you recommend it to people? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I have done mouth taping for a long time before James's book even came out and um, not not really. I don't, I don't snore. I'm pretty much a mouth or a a nasal breather in general while sleeping. So it wasn't, uh, something that totally changed the paradigm for me. I mean, obviously it ensures that you're breathing through your nose, but my wife on the other hand, um, is a mouth breather at night, uh, snores and she's been doing it and it's totally changed her sleep. Um, and I think, to step back even further from that is really the starting point when I work with someone, particularly like in a one-on-one fashion is starting with mechanics. Um, when we can 
look at someone and, and see how they're breathing. And that is going to be a big indicator of a lot of things, uh, symptoms that they're feeling, uh, yeah, just there's, there's a lot of things that can be uncovered just by watching someone breathe. And then by actually getting into the body, focusing the breath in certain areas to open up more movement, as you said, the breath moving into the front, the back and the sides, this 360 degree phenomenon, um, starting breathing low, drawing it up into our chest, not just breathing in our chest. A lot of us are stuck just breathing shallow in the chest, which is going to have an impact on stress. Um, getting that diaphragm to really be fluid and to be moving, that's where you're going to get that organ massage, that lymph flow. Uh, our diaphragm is is that sort of uh, barrier or or partition between our chest cavity and our and our abdominal cavity, and so it's we're moving all the organs of uh, that diaphragm is moving properly. So simply by focusing on mechanics to start, we can actually have a high impact without even really doing any specific protocol or, or type of breathing. It's really just getting all of that to be fluid, to be working how it was supposed to, or is supposed to, you know, through life. We have all these things happening to us that impact our breathing. And because we're not focused on practicing it properly, like if we're, if we're focused on something and doing it with really good form and, and whatever, you know, it's like yoga, the more you practice a pose, the better you get at it. Well, if we're also breathing 600 million times in our lifetime and we're never actually focused on doing it right, then of course we're going to have bad mechanics. We're going to breathe improperly. So this is where we sort of take the keys to the kingdom back is like, okay, a practice. I'm actually focused, really focused on mechanics. Then that's going to build that uh, knowing into our mind so that then we step away. We're not focused on our breath and it's happening more efficiently. Um, so I think that for me, whenever I work with someone one-on-one, I've just, I'm just watching them from the moment I walk in the door, then I'll put them through some different, um, manipulations of the breath, watching them breathe. And that's something you could do as well. Like you could sit in front of a mirror and just take some breaths and notice where the breath is happening. Is it really up in your chest? Um, are you, can you feel your breath in your back? Uh, all these different things are your shoulders coming up to your ears. You know, it's like, we think we're doing a certain thing, but then until we actually see it, then we actually don't really have that awareness. So sit in front of a mirror, put your camera on your phone and record yourself breathing and just watch and see what you notice. You're bound to see something. And, and then from there you can start to work with that. And, and so that's what I, that's what I really focus on when, when starting with someone, because just mechanics alone, we can have a huge impact on, how we're feeling and, and even performance, you know, it's like athletes, if you're breathing super dynamically and very efficiently, then of course your, your performance is going to go up. So it really works for everyone, not just, you know, a high performing athlete. It's like, can work for grandma, you know? Yes. That's one of the things I love about developing a breath practice 
is I can recommend that to every single client that I have on my table. Um, I don't know who said this either, but someone said, if you're on this side of the dirt, there's hope. <laughs> so no matter what, no matter what your health state is right now, you know, we know we need to get our heart rate up to have heart variability. Well, if you, if you're literally, cause a lot of people think they're in this amount of pain, but they're really not. If you're literally in so much pain that you can't go out for a walk, you can do a breath practice from your couch. You can yeah. have control over your heart rate. You can practice, um, controlling the mechanisms that create your anxiety in whatever space you find yourself in, this will absolutely have a positive outcome for you. Um, and that's again, one of the beautiful things about it. So we're talking about the, the mouth taping. Another thing that I saw someone do one time is hold a feather under their nose. Cause a lot of people, the real anxious people are like <laughs> their short breath, the quick breath, hold a yeah. feather and like close to your nose and don't let the feathers move. Yeah. There's little, that's one of the other beautiful things about having a community like our breath collective is you learn so many tricks of the trade and so many little things you can do to incorporate, to, to help you learn the awareness, because I can do this all day long, tell people how to move something, give them all the cues I have memorized under the sun and they still can't get it right. Yeah. So learning little things, little techniques and the, the taping, you know, there's many different versions of the taping. You don't have to tape your whole mouth. You can just tape the middle. You can tape the side, tape it while you're walking around. If it would cause some anxiety for you to have your mouth taped, that's a whole nother topic, but he covers a lot of it in that book, but it's yeah. definitely beneficial for people holding a feather under your nose. Yeah. Um, you can even use your finger. You can use your finger. Yep. yep you know, yep. it's like the opposite of hyperventilation, hypoventilation. So really bringing your breath down. So it's like this whisper, so you can barely feel it, but it's still happening. That's going to have an impact on a lot of things. CO2 tolerance, breath control. Um, yeah. It's another but good again, one. Going back to those mechanisms, the CO2 tolerance, you know, create how having control over your oxygen levels, you have control over all that, your pH levels, you can have control over those things. Mm -hmm. um, but what you just mentioned made me think of another thing, you know, going from that quick fired breathing to the slow breathing, the roller coaster of emotions and expressions of the body that you experience, not only in daily life, but in a setting like we had in Tahoe in one of the events that you guys host, just like when you want to learn a new sport or you want to learn a new play the piano, or you want to learn anything new, what do you do? You separate out time and space and part of your lifestyle to facilitate getting better at that thing. And yeah. that to me is what these events are for is for us, you know, this is my year. Tahoe is my second solo retreat. I did my first one last year and I found my path to that because of things that happened in our life. We had a house fire. We had some deaths close to us and families, just a lot of stuff, you know, and, I, and I'm a caregiver in my trade. So mm -hmm. I was just like, I need some alone time. Like I, I, like you were saying, I know all these things. I have them down. I can give you all the research and I can bullet point everything out for you, but I just needed time to be cared for. So yeah. that was my first retreat. And so I've, I've committed myself to do one every year. Yours is my second one. And talk a little bit about the experience. You know, you've been doing this for a while now and everyone's experience is different. 
Not everyone is going to have the same expression of experience, the same level of experience. My experience is not what my neighbors was laying beside me in the same exact breathwork session. Mm-hmm. But what is awesome about doing something where you're devoting four or five days to doing these practices two times a day for longer sessions is you take us on kind of a, a guided tour of our bodies and minds and our breath. And I, I literally had that thought when we were in session one day, it was like a roller coaster because you have this, you, you know, you, I'm sure it's not all planned out, but you have an idea of kind of how you're going to stage the practice. And at one moment we're breathing really slow and calm and your body's just melting into the floor. And then you start asking us to breathe heavier and our exhales be louder and, you know, just kind of take us through what that looks like from your perspective with what you've seen people experience. Every time is a little bit different. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, again, with a group, it's a little bit harder to meet everyone where they are. Although we can do certain things to sort of create at least a more similar nervous system state starting point, and then be able to go up the ladder or change, you know, the, the nervous system as we go. Um, but really it's focused around minimum effective dose. How much can we give to have an experience? And, and I think the level of experience that someone has, you know, I guess, maybe more speaking to like an emotional release, right? We can have uh, a, a breath experience where it just unlocks emotions. We start crying or we start laughing or something happens where it just feels like so much is coming out of us and everyone's at a different place of really their willingness and ability to let go. You know, it's like people come in, they're super guarded. They're not, they're skeptical. They don't, they feel uncomfortable. They don't really know what they're getting up to. And, and then they have a breath experience. It starts to move some energy. It starts to soften. Then you're in a container with a group of people that you start to hang out with and you chat with that then softens it a little bit more. And, and then next thing, you know, boom, this person who came in feeling like a hard shell is like having this emotional release or having these deep insights or sharing in ways that they haven't. And really it's all about safety, right? We need to feel safe in order for us to be able to, to let go, to get under these, under the hood into some of these deeper layers of ourselves. And, and because of life and how we're moving so rapidly and we've got news and we've got all this stimulus from coming from all these different directions, we feel like we're in survival mode all the time. And so we can't actually process and, and even look at some of the things that we're experiencing. We just kind of like stuff them down. Right. And then just get packed in and then that builds up. And then that's where, you know, all these symptoms start to come from. But when we're in a group environment, particularly over five or six days, we start connecting with people again. We've been missing connection. Um, and, and when we start connecting and you hear people sharing, you hear their shares and that has an impact on you. Maybe you relate to it. Maybe it reminds you of something. And then that's just creating this like cohesiveness, this container where everyone just like guard down, feeling super vulnerable. And then 
next thing you know, lid pops off, you have this huge emotional release and, and you feel like you just totally transformed. And, and so I think that's really what we try to create is this level of safety. I think, you know, as the facilitator, like really coming in and, and being vulnerable, sharing myself, sharing my experience, um, not trying to have an outcome. Like I don't have a goal or I'm not trying to make you cry or, or I'm not trying to invoke some particular experience. It's like, no, I understand how these things are all interconnected. And yes, there is sort of a plan or strategy to um, facilitate some of these things, but really it's just like kind of coming in and, and creating a space for people to explore. And that's really what we're doing. We're just exploring like as a teacher or as, you know, facilitator of breathing, it's like, I'm just giving you cues and things that you might focus on. Maybe that doesn't feel right for you and it's fine. And you can follow you. Like that's also what's cool about the breath is like we get, out of this monkey mind and we get into these deeper layers of our brain and then our intuition comes online and our body knows what we need. You know, maybe it's like, yeah, maybe it is like, I need to rest and I'm just going to breathe really mellow or maybe I fall asleep. Other times it's like that frustration comes out and you're just like, ah, you just need to let it out. You know? So really we're just there giving subtle cues and suggestions. And then the breath is going to kind of take you where you need to go. And that's why, you know, you could have a blissed out experience and then the person next to you is having a totally different experience. Um, so within all that, it's like, there's no necessarily a goal that we're trying to bring. It's just kind of opening the door of possibility. And, you know, it's like, understanding your nature and how you show up and noticing tendencies and um, seeing where you're holding back, where you're not letting go, where are you holding tension, all of these things. And it just starts to get illuminated over time. Um, you know, rebirthing talks about breathing and, and it's like, you have a cup of water and life, all this stuff's coming into the cup and we just kind of pack it down, pack it down. It all gets murky and mucky at the bottom of the cup. Then we start breathing. The breath is like the fresh stream of water coming into the cup. It starts to go down to the bottom, mixing up all the muck. Some of it spills out and then you stop breathing. The water's a little bit more clear. You know, and after five days of doing that, then the cup is just more and more clear. And, and that's where a practice, consistent practice comes in. It's like, we just start clearing it out and making more space, more capacity, more opening for ourselves to be able to navigate in the way that we want. And to get, again, to catch the person that all of this is new to, to explain mm -hmm. how this could play out. I'm going to talk about two different kinds of individuals that would have these type of experiences. So imagine an individual, often a female with TMJ D issues, they obtain, so you can obtain issues of the jaw, cranium, ear, ringing of the ear for many different, in many different ways. One of the ways is controlling your circumstances and environment by clenching your jaw, because you do have something to say but you're not going to say it because you don't want to anger the people around you. 
that might touch a few people listening. <laughs> if you over your lifetime had to do that as a coping mechanism to not get yelled at, to not be called names, to, you know, not get reprimanded for your behavior or how you look or whatever, if, if clenching your jaw became an adaptation for you, and then you, and you do that for years and you, you get these muscles fired up for years, you know, all of the, the structures of the jaw and you're maintaining a good cone, cold stone face to be able to operate in the environment you're in with as little retribution as possible for years and years and years and years and years. And then you finally go to an event like this and you're encouraged on your exhales to open your mouth and let your sound out loud so everybody can hear you're reconnected with your voice. And for someone that has clenched their jaw for 20 years, I can guarantee you, as you said, there is no intended outcome. You don't, I know you personally, and you don't go into these things to cause someone to cry, but I can tell you as a body worker, having my hands on these structures of the body, I also make people cry. I don't, but that's just how the body works. Mm -hmm. So if you are an individual and that's your story and you go through an experience like this, like you said, surrounded by support and love and in a safe place with people that are there for your, your betterment. And you're, you're literally told with your, your bone structures to open a joint that you've kept closed and tight for so long. And you're encouraged to yell in this session, which we do sometimes that is going to create an emotional response and could end in crying. Like you said, could end in laughing. Everybody has a different experience, but that is something to look forward to in that session. Another person could have had sexual trauma. So we're going to go from the top of the body to the undercarriage of the body. So if there has been any sexual trauma, even perceived trauma threat of any sort, we clench our pelvic floor. Our, the muscles that hold our pee and poo, they, they have functions. And if you clench out of fear for so long, you can literally cause yourself to be constipated, not because of a gut issue, but because of a muscle issue. So again, if you're working through a three or four or five day experience where you're encouraged to bottom out that breath, where you have not allowed a big breath to go before, because it stayed clenched for so long kind of can see how you might have an emotional experience. So again, it's nothing woo woo. It's nothing weird. It's just learning the body and how to help it be better. Um, so that's, I, I wanted to give everybody kind of that insight into what an experience looks like. And again, it's different for everybody because there's different personalities when it comes to this too. Yeah. Some people might have a little tear trickle down the side of their face and that's it. And that, that is, that is exactly what they needed. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. You know, it's like and the breath is going to give you what you need. Um, and you never know. And and kind of going on what you said, it's like there's no dogma here. You know, there's we're, we're breathing. We're experiencing our bodies. Yes, it can feel very spiritual. Um, there are things that are happening that, you know, sensation wise, like you feel like you're floating or you feel like you disappear. Um, you feel cosmic and yes, that is more like sensation and, and maybe where your mind goes, but there's no, there's no dogma here. We're not yeah. trying to, you know, sell you some religion or whatever. It's right. like, we're all, we're, we're all breathing. Like breath is the one thing that we all have in common. If we're not breathing, we're dead and mm -hmm. we're, it's happening 
over and over and over. I mean, 600 million to a billion times in our life and think about how many of those are unconscious. And then what's the impact of that? So it's like, let's, let's take a little bit more time to be conscious with that and to practice that and to mm-hmm. use it. Um, So what you just said is a perfect segue into my last topic that I want to cover with you is Mm -hmm. so, um, I was a child around the generation of Benny Hinn, Jim Baker. Um, I'm from a religious background. I have Pentecostal people in my family. I have church of God, people in my family speaking in tongues and laying on of hands and all those things. And then I also have in my religious background, super strict, very rigid. Um, You don't clap in church. You shouldn't be too loud. Women shouldn't speak in church. So it's kind of like a range of like a little bit of, of all of that. Um, And what I, what I have experienced, this is my experience with, with breath practices coming to the forefront and become popular, just more mainstream, because like you said before, these are things we have done for centuries. So for my people that in my, in my immediate sphere of influence, a lot of them immediately write off yoga and anything associated with it as wrong, sinful, anti-religion, anti-God, all of that. And then you have on that same paradigm, people in that same like religious sect doing really crazy things like speaking in tongues and drinking strychnine and handling snakes. And so it's like this way wide paradigm of that. I see the same thing happening in the breathwork community because there's there's some people that I've followed on social media that I've actually unfollowed because I saw happening in the breath practice community, exactly what you said you do not do, which is create a dogma or create a platform for a specific outcome, or you are there to intentionally incite or create a outcome for an individual. Um, and I've seen that before because what I've done is I've watched some videos of some, of some classes that I thought about taking and I turned the volume off and I was like, all of that looks exactly like some of the church experiences that I've seen before. It's just way over the top. And, and the person leading the class, I can tell, cause I've heard these things before. I know what they're doing to people. You know, they're creating this situation because if you're a good speaker, if you're, if you're, you know how to harness someone's emotion, you can absolutely bring a person that is emotionally volatile into an emotionally volatile state. So mm-hmm. it's just, that's just a, an opinion as something I see. What's your opinion on that? How do you maneuver through that? Um, do you see it? Have you seen it at all? Um, yeah, I think that's probably happening in all these different practices and modalities you know there's like this guru mentality as well Mm -hmm. um which i'm not here to be a guru i'm not here to tell you like this is the way and i'm going to create enlightenment and all of these things for you it's like no i'm here to help you experience your body in a different way to potentially have some impact on how you can self-regulate how you can be more uh, in charge of your life. And, and the breath is one way to do that. And whether that works for you or not, you know, it's, that's up to you to decide. And, and 
really i'm not here also to create my own method i don't want to have like the reese method or the our breath collective method you know it's like no like we're just like i said bringing together the principles the underlying mechanisms understanding how that's working continuing to learn how that's working because we're learning more and more and and then sharing from that lens and just giving people an opportunity to empower themselves uh, and I think that those who are willing to explore that are finding great impact and, and others are questioning it, you know, and, and that's fine. And I think that's where, that's where a lot of innovation comes from is the people asking the questions and, and not necessarily just drinking the Kool-Aid because it's the cool thing that everyone's doing. And, and I appreciate those people. Uh, but I don't think that um, I don't think that that it, that sort of aspect of like this kind of dogmatic uh, guru mentality like it's it's gonna be there. It's just you gotta be your own judge of who you're connecting to and and i understand some people won't connect with my way and and that's totally cool and there's someone out there that they will and and so i don't really look at any of this really as competition it's like we all have different needs and different things that are attractive to us and and really the more people that get to experience this and and whether it's through me or someone else then the better off we're all going to be um so yeah i think that's just one of the things that's just you know people like power and they like control and all of that and the way you just explained all that is exactly the reason that i chose your group over others because <laughs> i you know being someone from that background we can see that from a mile away and yeah. i encourage people you know especially people that all this is brand new to as with anything finding a provider for body work primary care, OBGYN, um, you know, priest, pastor, whatever there, we're all human and there are pathological people in every station in life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like you said, find someone that you relate to get experiences from other people and, um, and just venture out to have an experience that makes you better. So you guys, as the breath collective, have several events coming up and I want to make sure also because I refer my clients to your online resources mm. because you have a database of breathwork practices and then you have daily breathwork practices that are available to people yeah. if they want to join the community. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, we have a membership, uh, and, Basically, our members get uh, access to our daily breathing sessions. So we lead a practice every single morning. Uh, all of them are about 15 minutes. So really, we look at it as sort of like flossing your teeth, like the maintenance of it all. Uh, and, and if you can't join live, then there's an on-demand library. I think there's like 400 plus breathes there now that you can go back and, and use at any time. Our members also get access to our monthly workshops. So we bring in other facilitators and, and even other modalities uh, that are complementary to breathing. Um, so our members get access to that. And then we also run courses. So we have a breathwork intensive that is a four week course for Saturdays. And that covers 
really a lot of these principles that we talked about the first month is like physiology. Then we get into mechanics, then we get into the nervous system. And really it's all designed around having your own personal assessment of how the breath relates to you, how, what protocols might work for you. Um, and just getting more understanding of your relationship to your breath. So we have that actually starting in July 30th. Um, we also have some retreats coming up. We're going to this incredible property in Topanga outside of LA um, for Memorial Day weekend. It's a four day retreat. We'll be doing breath work, cold exposure. They have this epic like big barrel, uh, cedar barrel ice bath. They've got a barrel sauna, epic views, nature, farm to table meals. We've also got a retreat in July that uh, we're going to Costa Rica. It's pretty much sold out. And then we run a teacher training as well called breath school once a year. So teaching other people to be facilitators, it's a six month training. So that will start again in 2023. Yeah. We're just constantly kind of innovating and bringing out new offerings. So I'm sure there will be more of that unfold. If anyone wants to check out the membership, you can go to ourbreathcollective.com. You can use my name, which is Reese R E I S at checkout and get $10 off your first month. If you, so you can experience the, you know, the daily practices. Um, we've got 18 different facilitators, all kind of have different backgrounds and different ways of facilitating and presenting the breath, which is great. You know, it's like having all these different ways to experience it. And some people you'll love and others, maybe not as much, but yeah. So that's kind of what we got going on right now. Um, and more to be revealed, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, always. Reese, thank you so much for this conversation and for thank continuing you. to help people understand they have more power over their health than they know. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for having me on and great to reconnect and see you and hopefully yeah, we'll see really. you again soon. I'm trying to decide if it's too soon for me to do another retreat. <laughs> I can get away. I think, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, anytime. I'd love to have I, you. All of my clients already know that I'm going to, I'm like, I'm doing Tahoe again next year. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So it was awesome. So thank you so much for thank your you. leadership, your guidance and your heart to serve people and um, just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you.